You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 176. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcasts. Man, I hope we're there after all. It's been like eight years. I hope we're there. Let's put it that it's way. It's been a minute. I hope. Yeah. And you can visit, visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. Send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. And do you like the birdie site? Uh, the one that you can do when you're like, I don't know, just sitting around wanting to waste time on it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. When do, when do people use Twitter? I don't know. I use it too much. Uh, anyway, if you like to use Twitter, like I like to use Twitter, you like little blue bird, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. I forget what we're doing now. We have a website that we can find all our other uh, uh, links to other apps uh, at the top of the page. That, I'm Joe Zach. They're called Dillies, I thought. Oh, that's what it was. That's okay. That's why it felt weird. Yeah. Okay. I'm Michael Outlaw. And this is our first time recording. I'm Alan Underwood. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, the cloud scale monitoring and analytics platform for end-to-end visibility into modern applications and Linode. Simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. And Shortcut, formerly known as Clubhouse, you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. All right, so uh, we're back to uh, talk about PagerDuty security training. So, you know, I think we'll definitely, definitely, I promise we're going to wrap it up this next episode. <laughs> I like what you did there. Like All right. And so, uh, as we like to do, uh, we like to say thank you to those who left us a re- new review. And so, uh, we got one. It's going to be really difficult. So, bear with me. There's uh, a lot of vowels and consonants in this one. You can say this nickname. <laughs> thank you. I have, I have a feeling this was made specifically for. Mike. I had a feeling that, like they wanted me to be the one to read that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I thought about something too. Uh, at the top when I, I mentioned like we've been doing this for eight years, are, like should we start planning now for like what we'll do for like the 10 year anniversary? Do we need to like, you know, go ahead and start planning that out now? And it'd be like how we're getting through this pager duty, you know, like eventually we'd be like, okay, now we're done. That five year anniversary show kicked my butt though. I don't know if I can handle it. Did we have a five year? Dude, are you, what? Did we? Oh my gosh. He's messing with me. Wow, I thought it kicked my butt. <laughs> I, I remember the hundred one. I remember that being like a big, you know, milestone. Hey, we're coming up on two hundred. We'll get there by like twenty twenty three or something. So yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not this year. No. no. Uh, but you know what is this year? Yeah, uh, this year is the game jam uh, again coming up January twenty first the twenty fourth coming up real quick. Uh, if you are listening to the episode the day it drops, uh, you got a couple days to sign up. Go do it; it's going to be amazing. And would you guys like to be the first to hear the first? Well, I guess it depends on you listen to it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Would you like to hear the five themes that we're looking at? Remember, I would like to be. Year. I would like to be the first to hear the five, th- the top five themes. And if I'm not the right. first, then let's just move on. Okay. Well, I don't. I don't know. I'm so confused. You know, I got up too early today, <laughs> but I won't. Uh, I won't. That sounds like a you problem. That. Why are you making it my problem? <laughs> yeah, it's an everybody problem when I don't get enough sleep. Unfortunately. <clears throat> Why am so I here being such a jerk tonight? <laughs> Uh, well, do you remember? Do you remember how we picked the theme last time? No. We did it on Twitch? 
I don't remember either, but we did it on Twitch, uh, like at basically midnight as soon as the jam opened up. We picked the final theme and said, go. Did we? And yeah. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what we're going to do this year. So <laughs> you're ready. And, uh, what we did is, uh, we, we brought it down to five themes. And so the, the voting for these is just ended by the time you're listening to this. And these are the top five, uh, in no particular order. So the final game jam theme is going to be one of these. Failure is the option. Oh, nice. A link to the somewhere. Mm, that was cool. Trust nothing. Love it. Can't stop. And it's following me. <laughs> oh, it likes all those. Yeah. Yep. It's great. There are a lot of good ones that just barely missed it. So. I think I voted for at least half of those. Yeah, good. I don't think I did for any of them. I don't remember. Yeah, I like them. I mean, Alan only like just voted an hour ago. So like all of his votes are still like fresh on his mind. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. I, I, I never said I was not a procrastinator. <laughs> and I, Hey, we'll have the, the link to that game jam. So this is your first jam. Perfect one. Sign up, try it. And you know, if you only have an hour, you can find uh, something, make a little text adventure, um, maybe find some sort of existing framework and pop your own text into it. Last year, we talked about like Cookie Clicker has a framework where you can kind of take it and modify their stuff. There's a couple other like text adventures. You can work, start with a Unity tutorial and branch off. Um, you know, there's options if you don't have a lot of time or if you want to um, call in sick to work and do it for 24 hours a day like I'm going to do, uh, then you can do that too. Whatever you want to do. It's all good. Gra- it's all gravy. All right, hey, so are we going? streaming on Twitch? Or are we doing YouTube? What's what's the plan? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. I was going to do Twitch. Now I'm questioning things. Mm. I always question things. All right. Can can I vote again on these uh, these top five? Because I don't see that yet. Yeah, if you haven't voted yet. You want the link? No, no, yeah, no. Shouldn't there be like button. a new vote for the for, uh, of those five? Oh, no. So the last five we pull at random. Oh, it's just going to be okay. Yep. So now these are the five. So you know what to kind of, you know, get your brain going on. It's going to be one of these five and then we'll finally pick it. And then. Oh, wait. So the voting didn't matter? No, no, it did. So we started with like almost 50 themes. We did a round of voting. We cut it down to half. And then now we're going from like 15 or so down to five. Okay. The final one. And these are all uh, submitted. You know, I should, uh, I should have told you who submitted each one of these, but these are all sent by uh, people. Oh, you know what? I know what. Okay, I I didn't vote for the second round because when you originally uh, put it out there, it acted like I had already voted and wouldn't let me vote. Oh yeah, I, th- I think I made a mistake when I created the poll. <laughs> so, uh, oops. See, that's why I waited, so I could actually vote on things that people would care about later. Uh-huh. I should have done that. Why didn't right. I procrastinate? The one time. All right, so I'll give me one sec. I'm going to say who submitted each of these. So, uh, Dave, super good Dave, uh, did failure is the option. Love it. Link to the somewhere, uh, Prodigal Son Games. Nice. Uh, he did the robot game last year. We had to fix the robots. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yep. Trust nothing. Another Dave. Super good Dave. With super good ideas. Yep. Uh, guess who can't stop is? Is it super good Dave? Yep. Okay. Dave Fullett again. And the final one is following me. Guess who? 
Mike or G? Super good, Dave. It was Dave. <laughs> Dave, he's he's made them all. Yeah, so three of them. Yeah, that's awesome. that's awesome. Wait, you only listed him in Prodigal Games, yeah. and that was it. Yeah, he, that was four of them. The Mathema Chicken strikes again. Yeah, I, I told you. <laughs> Watch, I'm sleepy. Watch out. You know, there's like sleep where you can like fall second sleep any second, and there's like sleep where it's like you ain't gonna fall asleep. You're just gonna like fall over and knock stuff over and ruin your life. That's, that's where you're at. Yeah, okay. let's go. Yeah. I've had those. Cure all right, high. so all right, so Game Jam definitely this weekend. I think the three of us will be streaming on some platform. Um, I had one one thing to bring up here that is a bit of a side tangent, but I, I, I have to bring it up because well, hold on, tangent alert. Beep, 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 beep. Right. We haven't even started the show. Oh. Um, this has nothing to do with coding or anything related to it whatsoever, but we were talking about something. One of my favorite topics the other day, Costco, right? I think it was actually us three talking. Hold on. Wait, and, let me properly introduce you're listening to Costco blocks. <laughs> That's right. So I mentioned that they had some pork rinds there that were amazing and outlaws like, yeah, I like pork rinds, but there's also, have you ever heard of these dots pretzels? Oh my gosh. And I was like, no, I haven't. And he's like, you got to try them. I was like, okay, fine. And it was it was a fleeting thought, right? Well, I'm walking through Walmart the other day, not Costco. Um, and there's an end cap that has these Dots pretzels. And I was like, hey, Outlaw said I need to grab a bag of these. So I do. I grabbed the original flavor, that's right? The, like That's whatever. the flavor to get. So... So here's the thing, and this is what this is what I need to um, let everybody know out there. Because when when Outlaw was like, "Yo, you need to try these pretzels," I'm like, "It's a freaking pretzel!" Like, mm-hmm. what, what, everybody's what, like, "Alan, shut up about pretzels!" Like, who cares about pretzels? Yeah, it, it's a pretzel. Like, I mean, they only How get good could it so be? good, right? Yeah, totally, man. Let me tell you something. They are ridiculous. Like. You'll eat one and you'll be like, oh, this this is going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. That bag of pretzels, I, I let my kids have some of them. The whole bag was gone the first time it was opened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what in the world? Now, the only problem I have with them is they have MSG in them, which is probably why you can't stop eating them. There's but- other vowels and in, in, in consonants in there, too, if it makes you feel any better. You know, and here's the thing too, is it's like a resealable bag, but that's just, you know, you're not really going to need it. Yeah. You're not going to need it. Like it was, they are, they are seriously good. And I hope I'm not overselling this because, you know, it's like when somebody told me about a funny movie, like meet, meet the parents or whatever, they told me it was so funny. You watched it and I was like, eh, but then I watched it again later and I was like, okay, yeah, it was pretty funny. My expectations were too high. So I hope I haven't done that to anybody, you know? Okay. I mean, you're you're going to try those pretzels and you're going to be like, you were right. They're, they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, they're good. But the so, problem with movies, though, and this is why like, I hate to hear anybody's review or opinion of a movie, period, is because of exactly what you just said. Yeah. Where like, you know, somebody, somebody will say like, oh, it was so hilarious. I mean, like people were rolling on the floors laughing or whatever, right? And it like sets some kind of expectation. Like if they say, even if they say like, oh, it was such a great movie, right? Like, I don't even want to know that because then like I'm going to expect greatness. And if it doesn't live up to that, then I'm going to be disappointed. And for me, the movie was something about Mary. Oh uh, yes. Totally. Everybody. I, see that. I, I, I was late to go see that in a the theater when it came out and everybody raved about how hilarious that movie was. 
And by the time I got to see it, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it had some funny parts, but I don't, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So, so tangent done. I guess, I guess we can step into the uh, content now. Um, so let's just like make a said, t- back show up. about tangents. Yes. <laughs> Tangent blocks. Oh, <laughs> um, all right. So the first thing that we're going to jump in here, I think on page three of the pager duty manual <laughs> is, <laughs> this is cross site, cross site scripting. Gosh, we are um, awful. Yeah. Also known as XSS. And so if you've ever seen that anywhere, it's cross site scripting. And the gist of this is you're, what people are attempting to do is inject snippets of code onto web pages that other people will be, be viewing and be affected by. And so the thing about these, and I know all three of us have seen these and it's kind of crazy what you can do with some of this stuff. Um, but this could basically allow an attacker to have access to everything that a user does on a page. So every keystroke they enter, um, Everywhere they click on the page, everywhere they move their mouse, what they what they hover over, what they do, like um if somebody injects a script that's that's good enough on the page, they can track all that stuff. Well, um, think about too what what else the script could do that your user has the ability to do, but maybe you don't want to, like hitting that transfer funds button or hitting that uh, you know, doing some other nefarious action. And so uh, you know, the the telltale um test we used to this used to be for this, uh, you try to do like an alert. So if someone else loads the page, you see an alert, and that meant you could have done anything, and it would have been as if it came from that person's browser. I kind and of view crazy. The, I kind of view this as like the little Bobby tables for HTML, right? Like trying, you're trying to uh, get someone else's browser to interpret something as code that you entered in somewhere. Yeah. And, and the way that this is typically done, because some people that haven't encountered this or never had a need to think about it, they're like, well, how, how is anybody going to inject code into my page? Well, if you think about blogs out there or shopping sites, like tons of shopping sites or whatever, if they leave, if you can leave a review on it or you can post a comment somewhere or, you know, whatever, if there's a way for you to enter information that will then show up again later on somebody's page, that's where this stuff can happen. And that's where it does happen most of the time. Yeah. If they aren't, if they aren't careful about how they render that content back out and, and if they let it just be raw and it, you might have code in it, then you could just do something like a script alert statement and, you know, say hi. And that's the, that's, that's, uh, you know, if they're being nice and they didn't do anything right. bad, <laughs> right. It could get a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, they they even mentioned in the pager duty stuff that, you know, you could potentially get access to the session cookies for that user. Like, let's say that a user is logged into a site. If you can get access to the cookies, a lot of times that means you can get access to the session token, which means that you can then impersonate that user and and do bad things, right? Like like Jay-Z said, you know, buy something or 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 do something else that's that's malicious. So the potential for harm is actually pretty high with cross-site scripting. Hey, just give me your cookie. I'll go in and do the stuff for you. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I don't even have to script it. I'll just, I'll log in as you, you know, it's like effectively log in as you. And yeah. And, and so just, just as a thought there, you might be thinking, well, I mean, that's not really that big of a deal. So what you have access to the session cookie, like what you're going to script everything on the site. 
No, a lot of times what people will do is they might, if, if they can get access to somebody's session that way on it, they'll post that information over to their own server, right? And then, and then they'll have some sort of reverse shell or something running to where they can see that data as it comes in and then they can try to do something bad with it, right? Like there's a lot of tools out there that allow people to do these things, but it's crazy the amount of stuff that you can do if you can get access to somebody's session and you can, and you have scripts to be able to shoot that off anywhere you want. But Alan, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, on your input, I'm just going to like write a regular expression to go looking for these tags and I'm just going to like sanitize my, the input before I save it. And that'd be good enough, right? Oh, you win. <laughs> no. Michael right? wins the internet. Right. No, if, if only it were so easy. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this in years past, like there have been some crazy hacks and like JavaScript where people don't even write any code. Like they'll, they'll do some characters that'll get interpreted as code. So how are you going to reg, regex that thing? Right. Like there's, there's just too many things to be able to, to, you know, put something on an okay list that you can check that way. You just can't do it, but you should sanitize things, right? Like you should do your best to sanitize them as they're coming in, but that can't be your last line of defense. You can do weird things like combos. Like you've your first name and last name, put like half the script over here and half the script over there, you know, it's just weird stuff. Well, you guys remember back in the days of the ASP and cold fusion and all that kind of stuff where, where you were basically writing your HTML and then in the value fields or whatever, like in a text area, let's say, or in the value field, you would just say, Hey, output the value that came from the database or something, right? Like that's what everybody did back in the day. And that's when these cross-site scripting things started coming into play. So the answer is, okay, you sanitize things coming in as best as you could, but when you go to display it back on your page, you need to encode all the characters on the page so that a less than sign isn't treated like a less than sign, right? It's encoded as, I don't even remember what it was, ampersand LT um, semicolon or something. So, so that it will display exactly as the user put it in there, but it won't be executed by the browser. It was the game. Never have I ever uh, just look for ampersands and replace them with ampersand AMP colon. <laughs> right. I mean, we've all done so well. I mean, I guess people have been around long enough. Nowadays, it seems like a lot of the tooling and a lot of libraries and frameworks out there do a lot of this stuff for you. Um, But what's interesting is PagerDuty called out one of the things that they're they're using Ember, right? I think they said. um, Did they really? I didn't recall that. Yeah, they're, they're using Ember. And so they use the handlebar syntax. And they said, if you want to encode output, you use double handlebars. But if you triple handlebar it, then it executes it. It doesn't encode it. So you've actually got to be careful about it, right? So the point is a lot of these frameworks and a lot of these libraries and things out there have things built in to help you with this and and make it very easy for you to do. Just be aware that you need to do that, right? Never. And they call it out. If somebody inputs something to your site, Never, ever, ever let it get pushed back out unencoded. Just you can't let it happen. I've noticed uh, modern frameworks like they uh, still give you the ability to just output whatever you got in there, but they make it really hard. 
the guy was at React had the one that was like set dangerous in uh, in our HTML, and uh, Angular has another way of doing it too, where it's like they they make sure that you know that it's not a good thing to do. I mean, but that's still what we do there, right? You got to live on the danger zone, right? Well, yeah. I mean, how do you think I know? That, oh, that's right. Yeah. Makes sense. Checks out. You know what's interesting is this used to be a big deal, mainly for HTML, right? It was when you were pushing back out the the viewable content, but now you have to worry about it in, in basically every layer of what creates a web page. So your HTML, you need to make sure you're encoding that. Your JavaScript, right? Like if you're taking in um, values from from some sort of REST server um, implementation somewhere. A lot of times when you make those calls, you can tell it, you know, that it's safe to execute or not. And you should basically err on the side of caution and not let it. Um, And then CSS, right? Like CSS used to be just like the static thing, but now you can embed script type things in it. Um, So everything that you can put on a web page, you need to make sure you know how to handle outputting that data back that you're getting. Which is crazy. I mean, man, I remember when things were so much simpler. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, I liked it way better back then. Well, <clears throat> maybe I'm just evil. I was thinking at it from the point of view of, like, if I had a time machine, I could make a billion dollars with all the stuff right. I know now, right? Oh, yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah. I'd be totally evil, but, you know, <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Um. They they also call out, hey, use a library for encoding. The chances are they've been vetted, they've been done well. And by vetted, I mean, usually if you're using a library, if it's open source or if it's something that's paid, there's either a group of people supporting it or there's a lot of people in the community that have looked at this and tested it and made sure everything's good. And but, go ahead. Well, and this is why I love Log4J. <laughs> <laughs> too soon <laughs> at least you know at least you know if you uh if you uh had a had a problem there because everyone in the world was letting you know like every everything like every alarm every alert every scanner like, Jay. Yeah. you found out quick i suppose i should put my phone on do not disturb huh it seems like i would have figured that out rookie mistake rookie mistake um so what they said though, and this, this makes sense, right? And we've mentioned this before. Yes. Use a library, use something that, that has a good backing behind it, but that doesn't mean that you get to wash your hands of it, right? You still need to be aware of what's going on and and make sure you're familiar with what they're doing to help protect your assets. I mean, I make the joke about log for J, but the real truth of it is, is that all of us build applications that are built on the shoulders of other giants that are like open source giants, right? Log for J open SSL or whatever. Right. And, you know, occasionally there are problems that are found in these big, uh, you know, open source packages. So, you know, that doesn't, you know, even if they are wildly popular, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be, you know, zero bug free. Right. Yeah. You know, it just means that, uh, you know, you're probably, at least you're not reinventing the wheel. You're probably, you know, mostly vetted by a a larger community that's already vetted some, you know, aspect that, you know, but still try to do your best. I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like you use, use the popular ones like log4j because they're used by a lot of people. 
the good the good thing about that is when this vulnerability came out, like it was news everywhere. And so you did get the alert pretty quick. The the downside to it is because it is used everywhere, the attack surface is massive, right? So so they can just go out and and try and hit everything. So I don't know. I don't think there's a good answer to to this kind of stuff. If you roll your own, do you think it's going to be that much better than than what you know thousands of people have spent thousands of hours doing? Probably not. So you know, just, just keep your eyes on things and make sure you're aware of what's going on. Um, the the last thing that they mentioned here is there is another way to handle some of this um, cross site scripting, and that's with the content security policy. Uh, it we didn't dig into this deeper on there, but if I remember right, these are things that you can do. I th- I don't remember if it's in the browser via headers or what, but it's a way to lock down what content can do, right? So it's another way to tightly control it. Yeah, I believe um, Lighthouse will find that one. It if you run like a Lighthouse on your website, I think it will, and I think it'll make suggestions too. Yeah. yeah, I just clicked and do uh, even just the security tab in Chrome, and it's like letting me know how this website's doing. It's pretty cool. Cool. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, the unified monitoring platform for full visibility into all of your serverless functions. Troubleshoot performance issues faster by seamlessly navigating between logs, Lambda metrics, and distributed request traces all within one unified platform. Datadog provides real-time screen boards and service mapping so you can get complete observability into your service environments. And, you know, I like to talk about Datadog's visualizations, but sometimes uh, it's great to not have to go and look for things. And so Datadog has a ton of different notifications that you can set up on all the different uh, metrics and integrations that they offer. And so you can set this up, this stuff up and forget about it. And then if there's a problem, you get that notification, you can log in, dive in, figure out what's going on very quickly, which is pretty nice to have that peace of mind without having to go and check something uh, you know, every five seconds to see if it's still working. How, how about this for like, this is, this one's crazy. Like, honestly, they just added this new feature. I wouldn't have thought about this one, but you know, they have a new blog article, which by the way, the Datadog blog is fantastic. Use Datadog's new GitHub action to add synthetic testing to your workflows. I mean, like Datadog has a, a what don't they have at this point? Now they have synthetic testing for your CI and CD uh, you know, process. Start your monitoring today with a free 14-day trial and receive a free Datadog t-shirt after creating one dashboard. Go ahead and visit datadoghq.com/codingblocks. Again, that's datadoghq.com slash coding blocks to learn more about how Datadog can help you optimize your serverless environment. All right. So the next one up that they had is, is kind of interesting. This one's called CSRF. It's cross site request forgery. And this one's interesting because this is more about just trying to fool people. So tricking someone into doing something that they didn't want to do or they didn't even know that they were doing. So they had a couple of examples and this is where just as somebody who is an honest developer, you probably don't even think about stuff like this. Right. And this is, it's, it's the people that are trying to find ways to break into things and to, and to make people's lives harder. They are super creative. So one of the examples was they took, 
the the SRC attribute of an image tag and they point it to a logout page of a site. And the interesting thing that go ahead. Well, I was going to say it was important to note that they're using the cross site scripting capability to take advantage of the cross site request forgery. Yeah. Well, in, no, in this, this example. Oh, in this example they were, cause they were, yeah. they were uploading an image or, or setting an image tag, right? Yeah, they were basically, it was basically like a forum and they were like, instead of putting in a comment, they were writing in the image, uh, you know, tag manually and setting the source to what you were saying. And again, this isn't super malicious, but basically this would be an annoying thing. So when it would try and go to load this image, that image is going to make a get request to the slash logout right? Because that's what they put in for the source of the image. And so what would happen is when you load that page, you're logged into the, to the, the forum, but then you're immediately logged out, right? So that's by far not the worst thing that could ever happen. But the fact that somebody even thought about doing that is really interesting, right? By far, this is my April Fool's already in plan right now. This is my favorite trick. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to know who the uh, the recipient's going to be of that. Um, now here's what's interesting: is they said, "Hey, well, w- just imagine if they didn't point to a logout. Um, imagine if they pointed to something that was way, way worse, something like a, a delete account or 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 an order page or something, right? Like, if they had done something like that, they could still get away with it, and." And the people would have no idea what was going on, right? Because they would have just thought that they hit a forum page and all of a sudden things are happening. So, Yeah, I forgot to, um, forgot to bring up where uh, XSS uh, and CSRF are on uh, the OWASP. Oh, yeah. And so uh, got that up here, and I promptly shut it down on accident. Uh, so let's see here. Control-Shift-T. Yep, sorry about that. Oh my gosh, they have uh, things are named a little bit differently, so I'm looking for like what category it is, and surprised not to see it. I will. Say, okay. Oh, go ahead. The OWASP site is not as easy to navigate as it once was. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, and uh, part of it is because every couple of years they come out with like a new list, and so part of like the their job and the kind of on this website is like telling you how things have changed and how it's moved. And it just confuses everything. There's a lot of like verbiage on there about like where it used to be and you know, where they got the info from. So here's the deal. So, uh, cross site scripting used to be number seven in 2017 of the top 10. And what they did is they made, uh, injection kind of more general and they now consider cross site scripting to be a kind of injection attack. So they've combined it and now it's at three. So and they really don't, high. Yeah. And they don't break out cross site, uh, request forgery, but they do have a new category this year, which is at number 10 called server side request forgery. And I haven't Googled to see, you know, what the difference is between those. Are. So I'm curious to see if. If that's the same thing, or is it only you know, only has to do with the server side? I don't know. Hmm. SSRF so or CSRF. The the second example they had here was kind of interesting and and kind of evil. Is 
they put a button, you, you have a button on there that you think is going to do one thing, but it does another, right? So you as somebody put put something on the page and they think that they're going to, I don't know, view the details of something, but then it goes and deletes something, right? It, it, it kind of switches it out behind you. That is another example of this cross-site request forgery. Okay, so I, I did look that up, by the way. Um, server-side request, for, uh, request forging is all about getting the server to run some arbitrary script or Ooh. getting this. It's about tricking the server to do something. Well, the, the cross-site script uh, or <laughs> the RF request, the one we're talking about, has to do with getting the tricking the user and uh-huh. doing something and running something. So just different targets with similar similar attacks. Okay, so it... You know, that's interesting because it sounds like if that's what's going on there, that the way to fix this would work in both situations almost. So I guess let's, let's go ahead and talk about that. Like, how would you, how would you make it to where that image that had the bad source in there couldn't do what it needed to do? And the one thing that they said that they, that they use is a synchronizer token. Oh, and this is interesting. So basically there, there were a few things that came in here and I don't know if I put it in here in any particular order, but like I mentioned, that image tag is basically doing a get request to go get the image information from the server. Right. And one of the things that they mentioned was just don't allow get requests to do anything like actionable. Right. If there's a get request, it should only be reading things. And that that was kind of the general notion around it. So obviously a logout is not just reading something. That's an action to to basically kill a user session. So if if you were to disallow that logout to be called from a get, then you'd be good. Um that that image thing wouldn't have affected you. But then to go further, this whole synchronization token was they said, hey, anything to where you do need an action, don't use the get. You're either going to use a post or something else like that. And then what they said is for all your forms, all of your forms on the site, you're going to have a hidden field on there that embeds the synchronized token. Then when the call to the server is made to do whatever action it is that's being requested, it'll compare the token ID that was sent from the form and compare it to the actual user's session token on the server. And if they don't match, it just aborts, right? So it's a lot of work, right? Like, I mean, that's that's not a small amount of work. Let's say that you got 100 forms on your website. I mean, that's and and that's not just adding hidden fields to your forms. That's also making every one of your endpoints your rest endpoints or whatever honor those things and know how to use them properly. Right. Like that's not, that's not tiny. This is where like, uh, I was thinking through <clears throat> from an implementation point of view, where it's like, it's nice to have things like aspects where you could just apply an aspect or, you know, to your, um, to, to your API on the server side so that it could like authenticate or verify that, you know, is the token present and valid? Yes. Okay then let the let the rest of it in that way like you could keep the api business logic free of that clutter right that's going to be you know repetitive or whatever yeah that's a good call out aspects would be amazing for that um 
A couple of the things that I skipped over while I was going through this is a co- things that you should be aware of with these tokens is they should be cryptographically strong random values. And what that means is you can't just use, you know, math.rand. That's not good enough. Um, Java has a, oh man, what's it called? Library? Strong. Framework. Strong random, I think, or something. Strong. <laughs> it's it's one of those. Um but but there are libraries in in most of your major platforms for getting a truly cryptographically strong random value, and so you want to use that kind of stuff so that it can't be guessed. That's that's the gist of it. I like how when I tried to trigger you, you wouldn't you wouldn't let it affect you at all. You're like, nope, I'm not falling for your like library framework engine. You know, stop with that madness. They're they're all the same. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It's a helper function, a helper library, uh, a manager. Yeah, util- utility. Uh, <laughs> you, you know what's funny, it, man? All right, tangent. So uh, I was watching, I was watching a video on Java security, um, like uh, crypt cryptographic type as stuff. As you do, because you know, it's a Tuesday. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Let me tell you. That stuff will not keep your eyeballs open. Um, so so I'm watching this, and dude goes in, and he's really good. He's a great instructor. But he goes in, and he's like, we're going to create a an asymmetric uh, utility class. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, don't do it. Why, why wouldn't you just make a specific class? Like, why has it got to be a utility? And every method was static. And I'm like, I, no, I give up. Whatever. He has a certain set of skills. Naming things is not one of them. <laughs> and in the fairness, pump. I don't think any of us have that skill. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think any developer does. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, back back to the tokens. They should never be shared with anybody else because if you do, then you break that whole you know trust thing that's going there. Um, and then they also call out again. A lot of these libraries, frameworks, engines, all that stuff out there, they probably have some of this built in, this anti-forgery thing. Um, I forget which platform they were using, but there was actually an anti-forgery setting in the thing that would allow them to sort of automate some of this, right? So so the aspect-oriented would be amazing if whatever you're using doesn't already have this stuff built in. So like a lot of the web servers and whatnot out there, they probably have something that allows you to do this fairly easy. And then the last thing, man. So they mentioned that you should make the gets not be able to change the state. So web crawlers, we all know how web crawlers work, right? Like they'll see a link and then they try to follow the link because when you follow the link, then you're going to find more links and you want to follow those links, right? So that's basically what Google does and Bing and Yahoo and all those, all those companies out there that are crawling websites to find out their content, they follow these links. Well, apparently there have been cases where people had links for like deleting accounts and, and doing things like that the links would be on the pages. The web crawler would follow that link and actually delete the accounts, right? Because they weren't using like a delete verb or some other verb. They were using regular gets. And so it just toasted a bunch of data on the site. So, you know, that's probably a good enough reason right there not to use the gets for every single thing that you got. Yeah. 
Uh, one other thing I want to mention. So I was reading about uh, the cross uh, cross site request forgeries, and OWASP actually dropped them from the top ten in twenty seventeen. So I went and looked to see if they had like, combined it into another category or something, and they actually didn't. Uh, what they did is they said that uh, cross site request forgeries have basically been kind of down in occurrences because frameworks and whatnot have gotten better, and tools have gotten better, and just kind of preventing this by default. And uh, the the incidents and the CWEs, you know, the vulnerabilities and stuff that they were seeing um, just it wasn't that severe. And so this one just dropped off the list. And so it's still a problem, but it's just not in the top 10 worst problems. So it's kind of interesting. interesting. But I mean, because it's highly dependent on cross-site scripting, right? In order to be able to even do it, or am I wrong? Like, um, how, how else are you going to inject, you know, you, you party cookies the, the idea images. is that you have to be able to inject it into the page as code. How are you doing that? Right. And so yeah, cross-site you, you scripting to, was the, was the way. Yeah. Well, so cross-site scripting was still at number three though, right? Cause it was an injection. Well, injection. Yeah. yeah. Considered part of an injection. Attack. I, I think, I think what's gotten better though, is this whole notion that there's already this session token in place that these frameworks enable for you. So that if they don't get them, on that request, then it just automatically aborts it for you. Like you don't have to think about it anymore. That'd be my guess. Hmm. Hmm. So use a framework. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. Develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Whether you're developing a personal project or managing larger workloads, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions. Get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit for listeners of Coding Blocks. You can find all the details at linode.com slash codingblocks. Linode has data centers around the world with simple and consistent pricing regardless of the location. And Linode are experts at running Linux, which is fantastic if you're trying to do any sort of cloud computing. Uh, it's great for running small websites. Uh, I've ran a site on there for years for like $5 a month, and I've also run Kubernetes up there. Uh, it's really great, and it's been working fantastic, and it works exactly like it should. And they're they're Console is amazing. My favorite part, far and away, is the marketplace, though. Because if you're ever just bored to be like, oh, I wonder what other technologies are out there. There's so many technologies that they have available, which is a click of a button that you could deploy on Linode. And some of these, like some of these you know, you're like, okay, Prometheus I'm aware of, RabbitMQ I'm aware of, but you're like, Magic Spam? I mean, I can guess what it does, but like I haven't heard of that one before. What about guacamole? Like, what? yum, but... How do you deploy that on Linux? Apparently they know how there's a whole bunch of easy things. To just literally click on it. You're like, Hey, I want to, I want to deploy server wand. I didn't even know what server wand was, but you click on it. Boom. There it is. Choose the data center nearest you. You also receive 24 by seven by 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs, regardless of your plan size. You can choose shared and dedicated compute instances, or you can pay your $100 in free credit on S3-compatible object storage, managed Kubernetes, and more. If it runs on Linux, it runs on Linode. 
Visit linode.com slash coding blocks. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash coding blocks and click on the create free account button to get started. Okay, so I guess we're still doing this then like a country DJ. Oh, country DJ. I was about to do the other late night DJ. Country Country DJ? Which country? Uh, Uh, (laughs) Like a... like uh, I'm talking Welcome about like to uh, my website. I am Borat and I don't even know. I can't even do it. Is it what know. about like when you cross the Alabama line going yeah. west on 20? Yeah, there oh, we go. Oh, that kind Yeah, of we talk we talking yeah. country. Country. Uh <laughs> we have to get Alan to do this one. Hey, why? Why me? It's <laughs> <laughs> profiling there. That that's why. That, that's what no, you have. It's that California accent in west. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I, I can do this if you want. Sure, let's hear. It. I right. want to hear it, dear listeners. <laughs> we, we appreciate you listening to this here podcast. Oh, uh, oh God, we, we truly we couldn't do it without all you, all you out there. So, <laughs> if, if you get a chance, please head to www.codingblocks.net/slash/review, and and we've got links up there that will that will take you to different places where you can leave your reviews. Um, there's even this place here on Spotify. Yeah, if you've heard of that, they've got this thing now where you can leave reviews up there. I couldn't find it. I actually went up there. I went look for, I was going to put the link up on that review page. I couldn't find it nowhere. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I can find it, I'll put it up there, but, but at any rate, if you, if you haven't already, we do, we really appreciate that feedback. So if you go up there and leave us a review, we greatly appreciate it, dear listeners. And, uh, we would like to, Take a moment to recognize our new sponsors, STP and uh, Cletus's Chicken Pit. Stop on by. You don't even need a coupon or anything. Uh, it's just good chicken. That's right. Come on down. <laughs> I just feel like so <laughs> this is getting worse. You sold yourself short, outlaw. Hey, you did a pretty good Southern voice there. That was great. That was so much more than I had hoped for. I'm like I'm ready to make a donation now. Maybe we should <laughs> drop the reviews and move straight to Patreon. Like that's gonna sell right there. That's funny. Uh, oh man. <laughs> okay, well, uh, <clears throat> only if you can tell me the movie where that that I was referencing, and then maybe I'll consider it. How's that? Probably Deliverance. Deliverance. <laughs> 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 well, you took it to a dark place, man. <laughs> So it's got to be Ricky Bobby then. <laughs> uh, I don't no. know. Oh, they get ice now. No. If I told you that you were closer with your first guess, how's that? Need a minute? We want to think Wait, about it? I'm, I'll never get it. I'll never guess it. Yeah, I won't either. I was thinking of Stroker Ace with I've Burt never Reynolds. Even heard of it? What? Oh my gosh. Yeah, Burrell, I think, well, no, Lonnie Anderson was also in that movie, I think. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> wow, deep cut. Yeah, so super deep cut, yeah. You're welcome, internet. Why do you know that quote? <laughs> oh, I didn't say, I, 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 it wasn't a quote from the movie, it was just like, that's okay. what I was thinking of, because like, that was okay. where the chicken pit came from. It's like, why do you know that? Yeah, I, I still, yeah, I got nothing there. I don't know why I know that. I don't have a good answer for why I know that. Just, I know obscure crap, and that was like <laughs> one of them. 
All right. So, uh, okay. How about this for more obscure crap? How many seconds are in a year? Depends. All of them. Take a guess. I don't know. Um, there's 3,600 in an hour. Man, I don't know. 50 I mean, million. I can go back for 50 seconds indefinitely. How, how, he says 50 million. What do you say, Joe? More or less? You're infinite, so more. Okay, you're both wrong. There's 12. There's January 2nd. There's February 2nd. There's March 2nd. <laughs> I like it. You're welcome. All right, so uh, with that, we head into my favorite portion of the show. Survey says. <clears throat> all right, so uh, a few episodes back, we were all super excited. Like Apple had just made their big announcement, and we asked... What's your favorite feature on the new MacBook Pro? And your choices were the return of the function keys by touch bar. Gotta like think by Felicia when you say that. Um, (laughs) The MagSafe charger. I love proprietary cables. (laughs) Or I need an SD card slot, not a USB card reader that requires a USB A to C dongle. Or that shape that harkens back to those early 2000 MacBooks. Or obviously, it's all about that M1 Max, 10 CPU cores, 32 GPU cores, this. Or that I don't need to buy or enable a TPM 2.0 module to run the latest OS. Wait, Apple had another announcement? And lastly, the notch! Okay, so... uh Episode 176, so Tutko's trademark rules of engagement. Jay-Z, you were first. Okay. You know, I love mine. Um, so I thought it would be the touch bar, but there's something about the MagSafe that's just kind of fun too, you know? But uh, also that one at X is nice. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the geez, function keys. Function keys. With 25%. 25%. Okay. Oh, that's too low. All right. It's the return of the function keys. There's no question. The MagSafe charger is also very appealing because I've bent the hooey out of my uh, power cables that go into my MacBooks. Um, But it's going to be the return of the function keys. I'm going to go 40%. Okay. So, trying to price is right, rule win this. I see what you're doing here. Uh, Jay Z says function key return of the function keys for 25%. Alan says return of the function keys for 40%. You're both wrong. Oh, what? No, <clears throat> no it was obviously all about that M1 Max. Really? Yep. That was 36% of the vote. That was right. number one. Yeah. Do you care to so, take a gander at what number two was? The notch. The notch? No, the SD card slot. SD card slot? Now, now you, you, if you guys aren't going to take this serious, we'll just move on. <laughs> we, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> come on. The notch, the SD card slot? Come on. Uh, Wait, Apple the function keys. Jay-Z just got it. What wow. was it? Wait, Apple had another announcement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So burn. 
Uh, <laughs> so, so I'll share another, uh, so, so I gave you one dad joke already. I'll give you another dad joke. If you, if you would like one, we, we always like, it depends. So, uh, <laughs> uh, a, a friend of mine that I used to work with a long time ago, I was, I was catching up with him. Turns out he used to write dad jokes for some websites. And, uh, so he pointed me to his site that he had, or, you know, uh, where some of his jokes were. So this one's courtesy of him. So what do they call Miley Cyrus in Canada? Is this safe for consumption here? I have no idea. <laughs> Kilometry Cyrus. Very nice. Miley Kilometry. Got it. <laughs> That's awful. It's just, it's just like watching the gears move there in real time. That was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. All right. So, wait, bad. Hold up. And that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Like so, for this year's, this year's, we're only going to do one survey this year, and this is it. Get ready. No, for this episode's survey, we ask, for this year's game jam, you are super prepared. Been practicing all year. I am ready. Or, eh, I'll figure something out. Or, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. Should we answer these now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to, but no. I don't think you should. Uh, I'll wait. I'll tell you, I am super hyped. Well, yeah. I mean, Jay-Z's been like, you know, every day, three times a day, he's yeah. on Twitch. Like, he he's probably going to come out of the gate with, like, the next Halo or something. Oh, no. I'm, I promise you that's not going to happen. I, I'm not I'm not good. I don't know what I'm doing, but I am so excited that, like, I'm literally shaking sometimes. Like, All right. It'll be the next Call of Duty ass. then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think it might be a while for. I think right. we're, like I would be happy with Frogger. The next Doom. I mean, I'm giving uh, you something here, man. Like take the take it, run with it. Hey, Doom's the best one you mentioned. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, okay. What Doom Eternal? Okay, yeah. Doom Infinite Eternal Advanced Warfare. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they release on the third year of the three-year series. Yeah. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Shortcut. Have you ever really been happy with your project management tool? Most are either too simple for a growing engineering team to manage everything or too complex for anyone to want to use them without constant prodding. Shortcut is different, though, because it's worse. Wait, 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 wait. No, we mean it's better. Shortcut is project management built specifically for software teams and they're fast, intuitive, flexible, powerful, and many other nice positive adjectives. And here are some highlights. We got team-based workflows. Individual teams can use Shortcut's default workflows or customize them to match the way they work. Org-wide goals and roadmaps. The work in these workflows is automatically tied into larger company goals. It takes one click to move from a roadmap to a team's work to individual updates and vice versa. Tight VCS integrations. Whether you use GitHub, GitLab, or Bitbucket, shortcut ties directly to them so you can update progress from the command line. Keyboard-friendly interface. The rest of shortcut is just as keyboard-friendly with their power bar, 
allowing you to do virtually anything without touching your mouse. Throw it in the trash. Iterations planning. Set weekly priorities and then let Shortcut run the schedule for you with accompanying burn down charts and other reporting. Give it a try at shortcut.com slash coding blocks. Again, that's shortcut.com slash coding blocks. Shortcut, because you shouldn't have to project manage your project management. All right, so back into this uh, pager duty stuff. The next one that they had on the list was click jacking. And you know, I've heard this term before, but I never really knew what it was. I, was there anything in here that you guys had like heard of, but not seen? Like this was one for me. So I remember click jacking from kind of a, a long time ago. I had to take some security course or something on it. And I thought it was just kind of a cool, <laughs> cool thing. And uh, actually, my, the Stack Overflow question that I'm most excited about that will check uh, click jacking. Uh, and it wasn't the one that was like high, most highest rated, but I basically wrote a question to Stack Overflow and saying like, what are the security concerns that one might have when using an iframe? <laughs> and I was like, I want to see a list of every reason that you should not use an iframe. I'm considering using it somewhere. I want to know what I'm signing up for. And uh, click checking was like the main concern that came up. And even then it was kind of weak. It was like, then just, you can just use an iframe. It's fine. Yeah. The idea was that you like, you had an iframe. Imagine that looks like the rest of the website. And so if someone can get the iframe in there, make it look like the rest of your website, then you may think that you're doing something on that website, but actually you're doing it somewhere else. And that somewhere else might, you know, log you into your bank or something. So, you know, you think you're clicking log in for bank but it's actually bank of or something. And then you click login, it, you know, that button actually goes out to some other URL. That's not even looks like the, you know, the one you're going to whatever. And so, I uh, just make, make you do things that you weren't intending. Yeah. The example yeah. that they give is where, uh, you know, you, you end up, uh, purchasing something that you didn't intend to purchase. Oh yeah. Like purchase the item next to it or an invisible item. Yeah. It, it was really weird. It was basically using iframes as an overlay to another site to do those pass through clicks, like what you're talking about, right? Like it, it was really bizarre. And again, it's just people that, that have bad intentions, like they get really creative with stuff, right? Like who thought, Hey, let me just make this like a layer on my page that, that will. Honestly, amount of, the amount of effort that they put into doing something bad. It's like, well, if you would just put that skill to good, like imagine what you could do. Well, I mean, dude, if they if they sold a million um, widgets on eBay doing their thing, yeah, and that's why they don't listen to me. They're like, yeah, I'm on my exactly. yacht, man. Like you're sitting there doing a podcast, and I'm, and I'm whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, not that the podcast isn't like yacht worthy. I don't want to like you know. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll not, be trying like, not trying to not trying to this week. I'm not trying to be too self deprecating, you know, about it. I mean, clearly. Like the yacht's coming. That's right. It's on order. Probably <laughs> another thousand years of this will be there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, not with this new click jacking skill. I've got. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So another thing that they said is besides the iframe thing is this whole notion that there, there'll be a window and you'll go to click on something in that window and it'll move the window real quick and you'll accidentally click on something else, right? Like, so that's another form of click jacking. It's just, 
it's kind of silly, but I, I suppose it all works, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be this thing that we're even talking about. <laughs> I was going to say, it wouldn't be a thing if it didn't work. Right. So, um, now, there are some really simple ways to deal with this right now. And as a matter of fact, these, I think, are enabled on a lot of browsers now out of the box. I want to say that Chrome bit me um, a couple of years ago with this. Um not while I was trying to click Jack anybody. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, I was trying from to experience. use right. Um, I think I was actually trying to use Google Maps in an iframe, and it wouldn't let me do it because of the the X frame option. So there is an HTTP header called X dash frame dash options that you can set to either same origin or deny. And basically, what that means is you'll only allow iframes from the same domain that the main page was hosted on. Or it won't even allow the iframe to load anything at all, right? And and we've got a link to the Mozilla developer docs on this so that if if you need this, then there you go. You got it. And then iframes were kind of annoying though when you would load in like other like I mean it was like a hack that we used to do back, you know, when we would watch Stroker Ace, but <laughs> but uh you know, like because the you, you like you didn't have control if you were like putting in something from another domain, right? And so, you know, like in your maps example, then the user could be like, "Oh, let me also just click on this Google search button." And now I'm like, "Yeah, I still see your app is in there, but now I'm so totally somewhere else that you didn't intend." Yeah, it, it could get frustrating. I remember using iframes as like. <clears throat> the poor man's Ajax back in the day. So before Ajax requests were really a thing, right? Like this whole async call, you could post something to an iframe so that your page didn't go anywhere, but it would, you know, do something on the back end and it would happen off in a frame that nobody else saw. So like there were bunches of reasons to use it back in the day, but I can't actually think of any great ones anymore, honestly, Uh, other than things like Google maps that force you to kind of do things that way. But you know, whatever. All right. And then this last one that we're going to cover on this episode is called account enumeration. And what's funny is what we're going to describe here is completely different than what I thought it was going to be when I first read the the header. So I'll tell you what I thought it was. It was, you know, like anytime that you went to a website and it'd show account number and then one, two, three, four, five or whatever at the top. I thought what they were going to be talking about is somebody just t- scripting and saying, all right, now do one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, six, one, two, three, four, seven, et cetera. Right. And try and go through it like that. But that's not what they were saying. Theirs was actually way more interesting. So the whole notion here is they're still trying to extract information from a website, whether it be user information, customer information, whatever, but check this out. The one that they did, is they were doing failed logins on a login form and they'd enter in a username. Let's say, you know, Alan and go to log in. And if that took three or four seconds, then they knew that they had a valid username. If they put in Alan one, two, three, and it came back in like half a second, they knew that it wasn't a legit account because what the assumption is, it found Alan in the database, so it knew it had a match. Then it went through the hashing algorithm to hash the password that was passed in. And that may take X amount of seconds, depending on the entropy and, and all that kind of stuff. So 
you knew that a longer feedback cycle meant that you actually hit a real account. So now you know there's a, a person named Alan in the system. I always knew this one as phishing. Like this was another phishing, a way to fish the site to whether or not it was it had the the account or not. I always thought phishing was trying to extract it from a user <clears> though. I guess like when I originally heard about phishing, there, okay, so there there is the phishing type that you're thinking of where like you send the user an, uh, an email or something like that. But like there was, I remember back in the day there was like, I, I mean, maybe I'm making it up where there was like a different type of phishing where it was like, you're trying to <clears throat> glean information from the site. Like even if like in this example that you're talking about, like you're doing it based on like how long the response takes. But where I originally learned about this type of thing, it was not um, – it, it was had to deal with the display messages that you might res- come back with. So if you put in, like in your example, Alan and some bogus password, and it says uh, you entered in uh, an invalid username, then you knew that Alan automatically wasn't a user. Whereas if Joe did it, and he put in some kind of, you know, you put in Joe with some kind of bogus password and it says invalid password. Then you knew that Joe was a valid user, but not the right password. Yeah. Or you would say like you do it and it's like, hey, Joe, that was your old password. Uh, try again or here's a hint or right. something like that. And that used to be <laughs> rampant. Um, I think in, in Outlaw, I actually remember what you're talking about. And I think the, the reason they called it phishing is because it related to go fish. The idea that you would ask and and they would either tell you know give it to you or say go fish like the old game, uh, and obviously like one fishing term kind of overtook the other, so I don't think you really hear that anymore. But I do kind of recall that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it referred to that way, but it makes sense. And and actually, what you just mentioned, outlaw that whole thing of you know hey uh, we didn't in, invalid username or hey invalid password. You, one of the things that they called out is you should do your level best to make sure that the flow for not finding an account, not finding a password, make sure they all give the same messaging, right? So that you don't let people know that, Hey, Oh, you stumbled on Michael as, as a real user. Like people should have no idea. Like one of the things that's common that we've been seeing a lot, I'd say probably almost as a practice now, a standard practice is. If you put something in and you go and say, hey, forgot password, you know, email, it'll say, hey, if we have an email address, it's going to get sent, right? Like, that's perfect. It doesn't verify that it exists, doesn't doesn't say that it doesn't. It's just, hey, if it's there, then you'll get something. If not, you know, bye. <laughs> so, yeah, like you, you get zero feedback on it. There was a, another thing, too, that like, you know, now um, – <clears throat> I think it's at least standard common practice. At least it seems to be in you know the sites that I go to where like you know the it'll ask for the user and the password on the same page because anytime I ever see it where they ask for the username first and then you click a next button, I'm like, mm, I think you're going to be doing something wrong, aren't you? Because like if I depending on whether or not I entered in a good one or not, I might get a different message on the next page, huh? But you know, you know who does that also. Google, go go to log in to um, an account on Google and it'll tell you to enter in the username first and then it'll take you to the next page to where you do something. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I, yeah, I, I'm with you though. Cause I've always had the same thought. Like anytime that Google does it, I'm like, really? 
should you be letting people know that that exists? Like, this seems wrong. But, I, I mean, at least with Google, though, I'm willing to forgive because I'm probably like, well, every Gmail account known to man, I'm sure it already <laughs> exists. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's, that's true. what's the point? Um, you when you have uh, multiple email addresses, though, and you go to sign up, and you're like, oh, I don't remember which one it is. You try to sign up with what you think it is, and it's like, if you had an account, that wouldn't be the password. And you're like, yeah, but is it, is it count? <laughs> or is it this one? No, for real. For real. Count the seconds. Uh, that's, that's why you should use a password manager. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, that's another yes. thing that, that annoys me though too is that like sites that do the you know let me ask for your email first and then your password. Usually the password managers, uh, you know, are problematic for those types of sites. Yeah. LastPass has gotten better at it. I have noticed over time it's gotten much better. If you choose, if you choose from the drop down on the first page, then it usually fills in the proper password on the second. Still don't love it, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it tries to put it in weird places. It does. It does. Um, they did call out one other thing, and and I remember seeing more of this back in the day, and I'm st- I'm sure it still happens with like enterprise type software. Um, but a lot of times, clients or customers or whatever would have their own subdomain to to a site, right? Like, so let's say that you have your your Shopify site, just as an example. I don't know that this AWS. Say what? AWS was an example. Oh, they did too, didn't they? Yeah, to the yeah. console. Yeah, so, you know, whatever. you know, that would be the domain name. And they were saying that they had something on their site like that, the PagerDuty stuff. And the problem is they they ended up having to walk this line of what's a good user experience versus what's secure, right? So if you were to go to allen.pagerduty.com, if it existed, you'd be presented with a login page, right? Well, what if what if allen.pagerduty.com didn't exist? What should you do then? Should you still display the login page so that people couldn't glean that there's not an Allen customer? Or or what if Allen it does exist, but he made a typo? Right. Right. Like, do you show him a fake login? And that's what they said is ultimately. It, when you try and get too cute or smart with some of that stuff, you end up increasing customer support calls because somebody did fat finger it and type it in wrong. And they're going to log in and they're like, I know I use the right username and password, but it's not letting me in. And so now they call support and support's like, Oh yeah, you didn't type in your domain properly. So, you know, it, it's, that's a tougher one, I think, but just be aware that you do sometimes have to walk the line of, Hey, what's a good user experience versus, you know, what's the absolute most secure way to be. Hey, I mean, and it's real easy to like hear this and be like, well, just have a simple login page. And then based on the login, you'd redirect them to their subdomain. But what about in like line of business applications or whatever, where the, the customer wants to have a branded experience. Right. And so they want that login page they want their employees to know like right away it's, it's branded for them. And we've all worked on software like that, right? Where, where customers paid for software and they wanted to customize the, customize the entire look of it. And it was usually subdomain based. So, yeah, I mean, it, sometimes there's just not a real good clear cut answer and that might be one of them, but just know that that could reveal information to potential, you know, bad actors trying to get information out of there. But I mean, sometimes you just got to deal with it. I mean, basically everything about this account enumeration 
uh, section was all about being careful or mindful of like, if you're, you know, try not to leak information. And if you are, you're doing it because you like, that's the way it is. Right. So just log in example, like, you know, you needed to do it because you wanted to be able to support a branded experience or something like that. Right. Yep. Oh, and on the hashing thing, right? Like I, we mentioned that, you know, it, it might take three seconds for a real account and, you know, no time for a fake one. They even mentioned, well, the way to mitigate that is for a non-found user account, just hash the password anyways, just like you would if it had been a real one. And so it takes the same amount of time. So when it comes back, you can't differentiate between the real account and the non-account, right? So there's ways to fake it. It's not a great it seems kind of dumb, but it, it can actually help make your site more secure. Well, also it would slow down an attacker too. It would. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. I mean, it works to your benefit. So, uh, yeah, I think we got time to like do some more pages. Cause otherwise people are going to think that one of us was absent for this recording. Uh, if we stop now, so yeah, let's just go on. Uh, I say we go on We're all in favor of going on or <laughs> no, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, all right. So we'll have a bunch of links to, uh, some resources we like. And this one, obviously pager duty is going to get called out. You might even see an OWASP link in there. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. Um, and with that, we head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. Yeah. I feel like I already gave away my best one with the uh, dots pretzels. Um, but I guess, I guess I'll come up with, they are. So, I guess I'll come up with a few others. So I've been looking at doing some side stuff uh, and more or less it's been like trying to find like good places to host static pages. And it's shocking to me how few resources there are for that. At any rate, when I was looking for that, I came across this, which is Jamstack for free from Cloudflare. And if you haven't heard of Cloudflare, you probably should have because they're one of the biggest edge um, caching companies in the world, I believe, at this point. Um, but they have a product called pages.cloudflare.com. <laughs> to, um, uh, I, don't, I shouldn't laugh. I shouldn't. That's rude of me. That's fine. That's fine. Hey, hey, I just learned, learned me how to talk today. So... Um, so so if you go up here, though, what they allow you to do is something similar to Netli- Netlify to where you can set up a Jamstack type thing and they will host it for free on their own edge network. So you can have your static content with with pipelines there. So this is really cool. And Cloudflare really is an amazing company and they offer some awesome services. So uh, I would go check that out for sure. Um, and then another thing. I don't even know how I stumbled on this. I think it outlaw. We were trying to come up with a survey for this, this particular episode. We were talking about the the game jam stuff. And I was like, he had said something about various game engines and I did a search and I'd never even seen this one before. So Amazon had their own game engine and it was called Lumberyard. Well, it no longer exists or, or I guess it's being deprecated in favor of this other one called O3DE, which stands for Open 3D Engine. And from what I can gather, this actually came from another open source project, which was Open 3D 
foundation or something. I, I, I can't remember. O3DF, I believe is what it was. But at any rate, Amazon has gotten behind this other company and they've created this O3DE.org. And so it actually looks really legit, like super strong. It's a, it, you can create AAA games with high fidelity simulations. It's got all kinds of 3D modeling tools, um, integrates with your favorite cloud services. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure AWS is up there somewhere. Um, but yeah, so maybe, maybe if you're looking into this, uh, this, this might be another option for you. Is this what you're going to use for your game engine? I'm, I'm considering it. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, Jay-Z's going the tried and true route with unity, you know, why not go something fringe and more frustrating? So, (laughs) (laughs) but it'll support a, you know, a babillion concurrent users. So that's right. That's all you need, man. Until somebody makes like a routing change in the AWS environment. Right. I will tell you this, but check this out. There's one thing about this that is really nice compared to something like unity or some of the other ones. It's licensed under the Apache 2.0. Um, so that's actually really strong. It's free, completely free. You can use this thing and build games. So, um, really interesting. Thought it was worth bringing up. Hopefully, uh, people I mean, after they see my game, they might be like, eh, yeah, not, not you. Not you. We're going to make this guy pay. (laughs) We're going to, we're going to take this back. Yeah. We want, we want, we want to get paid for being associated. That's right. Yeah, it looks really good. I mean, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> I was curious about the Cloudflare, though. Like, why uh, why you didn't just immediately go straight to Netlify? Like, what? Like, what? So, did- it, I don't uh, honestly. I think I was just searching for good static hosting places, and and there was a top ten list as there are for everything in Google nowadays, which is almost irritating. I used to love them. Now I hate those top ten lists. But I think on the same page where it had Netlify, it had mentioned this one. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know they had that, right? So that's that's really it. We've talked about Netlify a lot on this. So if there's an alternative that you want to check it out, this is one. You know what's worse about those those top 10 results, though, is when it's like the domain. Top 10 website or top, top 10, 10 static web page sites.com or yeah. top 10 static web page sites for 20. 22.com. 2022.com man it drives me insane i'm like oh that sounds like a reliable source right yeah no they, they drive me way. absolutely crazy but yeah that's actually how it came up was i mean we've talked about netlify and i saw this and i was like oh man cloudflare's got uh another offering out there that's i mean they're a nice trusted company so that's really that's i mean really it looks good. pretty much identical to like how the netlify offering works well, you know what's cool? So I don't want to go too deep into this, but what's interesting about this too is I think I think we've mentioned this in the past. I want to say that we have. So Cloudflare didn't love containers, right? Because they said that containers were too heavy um, for what they were. And so they created their own thing called Cloudflare Workers, mm-hmm. which are like just little tiny threads that run things. Well, one of the things that they seem to integrate tightly into this is if you do need some server side stuff, you can buy into their Cloudflare worker platform, which I guess is something similar to like an AWS Lambda or an Azure Functions or something like that. So um, it ties nicely into that. So if you do need some sort of server side, it's in there. And and because they've got all that available to you, this is a really nice all-in-one platform if you wanted to do that. 
I see. Cool. Very cool. All right. And uh, so uh, I've got two. And unfortunately, I forgot. (laughs) Okay, let me start from the beginning. Andrew Diamond, wonderful source of tips. We know him. We love him. Uh, we uh, once Al and I uh, had dinner with him. That's pretty cool. That's been that's been many a moon ago. Yep, yeah. I think he might have been like fourteen at the time or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was weird. Maybe we shouldn't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, he uh, had he gave me two great tips. One I completely forgot. I'm sorry, Andrew. If you hear this, let me know what it was. <laughs> the other one though, I had bookmarked. And uh, so, have you ever debugged CSS by just adding a stupid border to something like making it like two pixels red so you can just see what the heck the layout is and like try to figure out what's going on. If you've used CSS, the answer is yes. Yeah. And like, you know, of course there's probably better ways to do that, whatever, but like, that's how you do it. Right. So he, I, I mentioned that and he said, don't ever use border. You should use outline instead. Have you ever used outline? Never heard of it. So it's the same thing, but the border is on the inside. So it doesn't skew the rest of the page. Borders on the outside. So if you had a one pixel or two pixel border, actually knocks everything off by a total of four pixels, right? Two for each side. Oh. Uh, but not outline. Same thing. So same syntax, just outline instead of border next time you're doing that. Oh, that's really good. Yep. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Uh, I remember when like this came up in like the Slack channel, I think it was, because um, I don't remember which which episode was because we had talked about something similar to this back in the day. There was like a, a free code camp article. I think it was that um, where somebody had given the code for a bookmarklet that you could set. And if you clicked that, then you would, it was like, I created one called debug CSS and it would like turn on borders, you know, and, and set everything. I'm trying to find it now. so I could like go back and reference it. Uh, uh, I'll see if I can find it, but probably just not. did it. That's very cool. The free uh, code camp one. No, no, the, uh, the outline. Oh yeah. And uh, I do have one other tip though that I have to share. And, uh, I'm not going to say it online cause it in- involves a dirty word. Um, but I'll, we'll have the link in the show notes. Maybe we'll hide it somewhere. But, uh, have you ever been on Twitter, YouTube, maybe playing a game on your phone and seen, uh, in an ad for a mobile game, maybe a mafia game or, you know, maybe a, a garden game or something. And you watch the ad and you're like, what did I just see? It's like strangely inappropriate. It's like hinting at weird things. You're not even sure what it means, but it just makes you feel uncomfortable. Like there's no way you're going to play that game. Like we've all been there, right? Probably. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I guess I'm hanging out in some weird places, but <laughs> there's uh there are a lot of ja- games out there being advertised and the ads for these games are just crazy. And I'm, I'm not going to even try to <laughs> try to explain about it. if you ever seen the ads for the games like mafia city or um, merge mansion or Lily's garden was the first one I, I saw. Um, I, they're just weird and it's bad. <laughs> and so if you like watching weird and bad things like I do, uh, then, uh, there's a subreddit for really bad mobile game ads that you can just go and look at all these and just exclaim aloud. Like, what are they thinking? Uh, it's like, and go down to the next one. 
It's like crappy mobile game ads, but, you know, replace another expletive in there instead of crappy. The one that comes to mind, though, for me, though, is uh, it looks like uh, one of those like uh, bejeweled type, you know, where you're like trying to match the things like a candy crush, but it's like the royal match or something like that. I forget what it is. Like that one comes up every time on like different games that I play. I'm like, how much are, is the developers for this game? Like how much are they paying for advertising? Cause they keep showing me the same ridiculous ads yeah. for the same game that I have absolutely zero interest in. And I've never once clicked into it. I'm like, why do you keep showing it to me? Oh, have you ever seen the ones where it's like, um, you'll have to like, uh, there'll be like a little scene and be like a, maybe a person and a monster and some gold or something. And the person pulls a little pin and the, the oh. lava falls on the treasure and melts oh, the treasure. Yeah. And then they open another pin and the monster kills them. And you're like, why don't you just open this one first? Let me go click that game and buy it. It's stuff like that, except it's like the weirder ones. And um, I'll just tell you, so real quickly, there's one called Lily's Garden. That was one of the first ones. And some of the ads, you have to watch like a bunch of different ads because like you to get the whole story, you need to watch several ads. But the, the first kind of ones, it's like a woman in her wedding dress. She's crying and she gets dropped off her house and like her house burns down. And then she goes to grandma's house and grandma sets her up with a garden and, and like life seems to be getting better. But then grandma gets arrested. And as she's getting <laughs> driving away in the cop car, she puts her hand up on the glass and it says, you're next. And you're like, what? And then you see the gameplay and it's like a match three, like bejeweled. <laughs> what? <laughs> and yeah. So there's just a ton of these and they're, they're amazing. And it's kind of like, um, you ever watch like uh, ads from the eighties or like you, you can find actually, um, those Kmart, uh, tapes, People have um, rec- recorded uh, tapes from like old Kmart's uh, department stores and the music they would play. And it includes like the ads that would play in like the eighties and nineties. And you can go and listen to them on like YouTube or whatever. I do not. Okay. Well, there's another tip for you. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so I don't know that that's what I was thinking. The downside is, is that we just gave like these crappy games, all this free advertising by even talking about them. We did. Yeah. yeah. That's why they do it. I guess it is. It worked. We just fell victim to it and it worked. So I'm tempted (sighs) now. Now it's worse knowing that they won. Okay. Oh, and I did find it by the way. It was episode 81. It was my tip of the week. Uh, And there was, I put a link for you guys in the show notes there for the free code camp. Um, Did you say episode one? 81. 81. Yeah. And, and, uh, the author of the article on free code camp, he was talking about using outline for it, but he, he provided the code for a, that you could use as a bookmarklet. And, um, which, you know, you want to talk about injecting code, like crazy that that works. Right. But you could create a bookmarklet that would modify any page you're on to, set the outlines and, and uh, it would layer in color on top of it. So you could see like if something was, uh, you know, in the background or in the forefront of all the different layers. Yeah. So That's pretty neat. Nice. Um, all right. So uh, you know how we are with cheese sheets, right? Like that. That's pretty cool. So <laughs> I, uh, I found one since we've been talking about OWASP so much, OWASP has a cheat, sheet series try to say that 10 times fast and uh, every time you fail you take a drink and um it'll be a lot of fun trust me uh 
so at any rate, they have a cheat sheet series and you can go there and you can see all the different cheat sheets and it'll say like, okay, to, you know, here's the Ajax security cheat sheet and it'll have, uh, you know, recommendations like use inner text instead of dot inner HTML, uh, you know, things like that. Like, you know, you know, tons of different like sections. If you, if it's a, you scroll through the page quite a lot for the different categories of things that they have in there. So this looks like better than their regular navigation. And surprisingly it's not part like it's, this is, this is in its own subdomain. So yeah. this is a different thing. This is pretty good, man. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, you want to deal with file uploads and it has a whole list of like, here's the threats that you need to be aware of. And, and you know, it, the, what, how you, your security posture as it relates to like the possibly malicious files you might be getting, right? And how to deal with it. Yeah. So it's good stuff. So, um, all right. So with that, ah, uh, dang, they're still going to think that somebody was absent. Um, Alan, don't you have like 18 more tips we can make up for this time gap? Oh, usually, right. usually. Well, uh, we hope you enjoyed this. This is, uh, you know, part three of this, uh, pager duty talk i'm sure that they didn't talk about it as long as we've talked about it but uh yeah so be sure to subscribe to us on itunes spotify stitcher you know uh, wherever you like to find your your podcast i'm sure we're there uh when next time you stop by the chicken pit be sure to say hi and uh be sure to leave us a review you can find some helpful links i'm sure alan has updated this site with the latest one now it's www.codingblocks.net slash review Hey, and while you're up there at CodyBlocks.net, check out our show notes, examples, discussions, and more, and send your feedback, questions, and rants to our Slack. And make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at CodingBlocks, and send us any weird mobile ads that you've seen, because <laughs> we super dig them. And by we, we mean Joe. Yes, Joe. <laughs>